Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. I'm Sarah Vine, and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mel Plus. I'm joined this week and every week by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones. Bonjour. 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 Can we talk about Meghan Markle? I know, she needs to get her own well, ideas. she's been copying us. I know. She's just copying us. I know. I know. She's got the lovely Candace Bushnell on yeah, her show. Who we had in the summer. I know. And also, I think we were a little bit more rigorous in our, yes, in our questioning. Exactly. Because in her podcast, she says to Candace, said, I didn't make very much money out of Sex and City, mm. which we had discussed actually mm. at length. Mm. Do you know what Megan said? How did they make you feel? <laughs> I can't remember what we said. Did we say poor? I would say poor. <laughs> so that's not good enough, Candace. Yes. Get your act together. Yeah. Broke. It made me feel broke. <laughs> anyway, yes. Or so, broken. So I just want to, I think we should just remind the listeners that if they want to hear an actual proper interview with mm. Candace Bushnell, they can do so by going back to the archive. They could, yes. 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 And it was a hoot, podcast. actually. And it was. She was brilliant, actually. Yes. And she came in. Do you remember? She came in dressed. So beautiful. Just so amazing. The legs just went on forever. I know. And they were all... She was wearing a leather skirt, I said. A leather mini skirt. And Manolo Blahnik. Yes. Absolutely as you would expect from Candice Bushnell. Yes. And she had very lovely, shiny legs. Mm. They were all all sort of covered in moisturizer. They'd all been depilated and moisturized, hadn't they? Yes, yes. Unlike my legs. No. Or mine. No. No. Which, anyway, moving on Mm. from our legs. Yes. Coming up on today's show... Black Friday is upon us and mm. we are about to be encouraged to part with more of our hard-earned money. Oh. I don't think I've got any left. No. Anyway, we're going to be talking to <laughs> consumer expert Alice Beer to find out how often those deals aren't all they're cracked up to be, which mm. I think is probably most of the time, isn't it? I would say most of the yes. time, but hopefully she will guide us through it. I think it's a horrible sort of greed fest. Gimme, 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 grab, grab, grab. Mm. Yes. Mm. But first... Our first guest this week, Paul Potts, is literally living a Hollywood movie. That's Ooh. what it says on my script anyway. Oh, it is too. Oh, we'll have to ask he you more about too, that. Sorry. Because after winning Britain's Got Talent in 2007, mm. the mobile phone store manager became a professional singer, began touring the world and selling millions of albums. Mm-hmm. And his story was actually made into a film starring that boy who works in America now. What's he called? <laughs> James Corden. That's it. Your friend. My friend, anyway, James Corden. Yes, yes, your friend. You went to his wedding, didn't you? I did go yes. to his wedding, yes. Anyway, Paul, hello and welcome. It's so nice to hear from you. You're in lovely Swansea and it's raining. Well, I'm in Port Talbot, just across the bay. And, uh, oh, and Yeah, it's yes. been raining most of the day. I know that Sarah's from Mumbles and I, and I know that she would have had the lovely view looking out over, <laughs> over the bay to the steelworks. Yes. And, uh, of course, us in Portobello, we get the great view of Mumbles. And, uh, <laughs> I know, I think you get the better deal, I have to but, be honest. But Portobello is a hotbed of talent, though. There's it loads is. of people who've come out and of Catherine's Portobello. And Catherine Zeta-Jones and me. And, well, I mean, it's all the same Michael area. Michael Sheen, he's yes. from Portobello. Um, Richard Burton. Richard, my goodness. Burton. You've got move for talent and there. And what's that man, that other Welsh singer <laughs> who's not Paul Potts. Shirley Bassey. Tom Jones. Tom Jones. That's it. Yes. It's something in the... It must be the radiation or something. Or the horizontal rain. <laughs> or the horizontal rain. Well, it's hey. not unusual. <laughs> oh, very good. Excellent. And that's the reason why my wife tells me I should never call myself a comedian. <laughs> but anyway, listen, you've got a new album out and it's called Musica Non Prohibita. Mm. See, I can say it like that because I am also, as well as being the Welsh, I'm also Italian. Yes, a bit she Italian. is a bit Italian. Um, so music there we go. that's not been banned. <laughs> There's yeah. not very much that left, What's is there? What's that title then? So tell us about the title and where it came from. Well, basically, I was inspired to do my own daily performances back in 2020 by what was happening in Northern Italy. And 
they were far yes. stricter on mm. their lockdowns than they were here. Mm. A lot of people complained about the lockdowns here, but they were much stricter in Europe. Mm. And a lot of singers did was that they performed on their balconies. And yes, I remember on, the videos of people so, singing yes. in, in Rome, wasn't it? Yes, beautiful. So where well, were you, Paul? Well, of course, Italy, basically. I was here in Port Albert. So, right, um, okay, sorry. So, so I, I did my own performances from here, but what, what, oh. what it told me that was that lots of things were forbidden, but music wasn't. Music yeah. could still happen. Yeah. So I did daily performances for four months, and then I thought, well, let's record some of them, and... I'd done probably about 250 different songs and arias. And I mm. thought, well, let's do 12 or 16. And then I got to the studio and I ended up recording 41. Okay. Gosh. So I got a little bit carried away. Is there a theme? Apart from it being arias and songs that I performed during lockdown, no, not really. It's no. it's a lot of, you know, different music. Some people will have heard before, some that they'll be familiar with, but yeah. not sure what they've heard it but some that they may never have heard before. But that's what music is. It's kind of a journey of discovery. Yes, absolutely. Well, and, and, and your journey has been one of discovery. So, I mean, <laughs> you've gone from being a car phone warehouse manager on Britain's Got Talent to being actually a proper working recording artist. Yeah, it was bizarre. I mean, I, I flipped a coin to decide whether to send the application in in yeah. the first place. Mm. And also because it, the audition landed on a Saturday, Mm. I had to try and get cover, and I couldn't get cover. So I, I phoned. No, I Did phoned you pull a BGT. sickie, Paul? You pulled a no, sickie. No, 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 no. I, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done that. I had one member of staff on holiday, and, and the other person was under 18, so couldn't have opened the store. Mm. So I had to go into a lot of trouble. But um, I phoned BGT mm. and basically asked if I could change the audition date. And they said, well, no, if you can't make it, you can't make it. That's it. Mm. So Gosh, in the brutal. end, a part-timer offered that if she could get somebody in that she would cover. And the, the guy that was on the holiday did offer, but mm. I said to him that I knew why he was taking the holiday off was to do DIY. Mm. And his wife would kill not just him, but me also, <laughs> if he came off his holiday. So, so funny. I, I was very happy that my female part-time colleague was able to And get, were you living at the time babysitter. in Port Albert? Is that where you're from? Well, I'm originally from Bristol. That's where my accent's right. from. But I was living literally just around the corner from the store that I worked at. So, right. you know, it wasn't a long commute and I didn't drive at the time. So that was... Convenient. So why have you moved to Port Albert? I'm quite interested to know how you've ended up <laughs> in just... the... Sorry, it's a rude question, I know, but I'm dying to know because not many people voluntarily move to Port Albert. Oh, they normally leave. <laughs> is that what it is? Yes. They normally leave. Yeah, true. No There's nothing to Port wrong Albert. with Port Albert. No. Um, well, uh, well, I... Met my wife online, and oh. um, basically it was about affordability of housing. I mean, right. There's no way on earth I could have afforded. Yeah, we could have afforded anywhere in Bristol. So, and also she wanted to stay closer to her parents rather than my parents. Right. And, mm. and God rest her souls, I don't blame her. But mm. yes. <laughs> but um, but, but um, so it didn't I, bring you. It didn't bring you immediate. So did you meet your wife before or after you became an international singing star superstar? Yeah. <laughs> I met her in 2001. Oh, okay. It was, before. It was February the 2nd, 2001, at eight minutes past 10 in the morning. Right. Of course, that's an odd time wife... to be on a dating app. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she always rolls her eyes when I remember it. You know, right. Every last detail. Were you having a sort of coffee break or something and just scrolling through? 
We'd spent about two or three weeks chatting on a chat room on MSN. doesn't exist right. anymore. Oh, okay. But we just started chatting, and then she basically decided there wasn't as much of an axe mode. There was some of the other things. So we ended up meeting, but she didn't send me any pictures of her. Mm, right. She had a picture of me. Mm. So that was a warning in advance. But <laughs> and did you but woo her with song? she didn't song? disappear. Did you woo her with song? Mm. No, I didn't. But oh. I, basically, one of our first dates was to accompany me to a rehearsal for um, Ready Don Carlos in, yes. in Bath. And she had to drive me there as well. Mm. So <laughs> she enjoyed that. But no, she, she could read music at the time. It, mm. Opera wasn't really her thing. Yeah. But um, our first few dates were around principal rehearsals for the Bath Opera. And how have you found being in this sort of opera world? Because it's a very snobby, snobby, snobby world. I mean, I used to be the arts editor of the Times. And when I was given the job, the director of Garsington, which is the poshest opera in the world, mm. wrote a letter of complaint to my editor. What? That saying, you were too... Dear sir, I can't believe you've appointed this person who... Grubby who woman who knows nothing. I mean, really, who <laughs> listens to pop music and everything to be the opera... To, to, yes, I mean, so it is a very snobby world. And people True. who sing arias mm. rather than full-length operas... Mm are considered to be, you know, just a bit... Mm. So oh, how, I did not how, know that. So have really? you, you, what's your relationship with all of that yes, lot, yes. Paul? I'm dying to know. Quite interesting. Well, I've done full roles, and I've done full roles since BGT. I did mm. um, mm. Cavaradossi in um, Chiswick House back oh, in 2016. Yes. Yeah. And, and I was working with, an in inverted commas, proper opera singers and that, and they had no, they had no ill feeling towards me at all. They, they all enjoyed my voice. Um, right. In fact, the guy Simon Thorpe, who, who was playing Scarpia, made very positive noises. Yeah. He said he'd got, on Twitter, he said he'd got mixed up between two different palaces because he'd just been standing next to me as I sang atop B-flat. <laughs> <laughs> but what was really interesting about that opera is that it was teeming down with rain on the second night. Mm. And, and it was outdoors. Oh, and gosh. as Scarpia entered, there was, you know, you've got those two chords and then a crack of thunder. Mm. Oh, the timing was just perfect. Yes. yes, it was very dramatic. Mm. But I, I, I love doing the proper opera as well yes. as as well as singing music. But to me, it's all music. But I mean, I love doing I love doing roles. Even if on one of the the roles that I did in that year, I, I was part of the Zeged Festival in in Hungary, and I, right. I played Steuermann. Yeah, and I was forty feet in the air on a narrow Gosh. walkway that came out of the wall while I was walking it. Mm. And they, they gave me LED lights on it because they, they staged it like we were spaceships. Because mm. it was uh, Fliegen the Hollander. And, mm. and and instead of a ship, it, they decided it was going to be a spaceship. So I was a spaceman. Yeah. And <laughs> Brilliant. Four, four oranges, like, you know, Guantanamo and we're bay, mm. uh, but with a helmet on as well. And they decided they wanted to light my face. So How can be you seen sing with a helmet With LED on. lights. <laughs> Yes. You find a way. Yes. You find a way. I mean, it's, it's a head mic, basically. Yeah. Just like I did on um, Mass Singer in Germany. It's yeah. just a matter of having a head Gosh. mic on the inside. Yeah. Because it was an outdoor square. But I had to get them to turn the LED lights off. Yeah. And I couldn't see. Yeah. Because, of oh, course, wait. the dynamic range of being blinded yeah. and you just yeah. can't see anything. And I said, well, I'm going to fall if I have that on. I'm clumsy enough when I can see. Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> and when when you first became famous, that must have been quite a hell of a ride. Did they look after you at all? The sort of the Britain's Got Talent gang were they helpful? Did they point you in the rightest direction? Because I imagine going to bed on the Saturday night feeling. I mean, I suppose it's a sort of a slow burn in a way because you become progressively yeah. more and, and more famous. And there's a time delay, isn't there? Because throughout, obviously, yes, yes, throughout the show. Yeah. But I do think the waking up and winning must have been quite something. Well, in our year, it was all done over nine days, so mm. it, was, it was really quite quick. Mm. I think in many ways, ITV were taken by surprise how popular it was. Mm. And I had to deal with quite a lot of press queries just by myself. And mm. so I ended up on the phone to the Sun for 90 minutes when they were given 20 because <laughs> no, there was no PR person sort of on the line as well to tell them to shut up. Gosh, <laughs> so, yes. But um, of course, they were bothered by the fact I'd had a masterclass with Pavarotti and I'd had some training. Mm. And and I was thinking, well, hang on a minute. All this is on the website. You know, people want to look for it. It's there. Mm. And also, you know... But also it's Britain's Got Talent. It's people who... Yeah. Yeah, as you say... It's not Britain's Got Amateurs. Exactly. They will have already done a bit of something. You know, if you've got a dance dance troupe on there, it's not like they'll come on and they've never practiced. Yes. And this is their first go. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I... I, I, And you get those danger magicians. You get Mm. those danger magicians that throw knives. Yeah. Mm. Now, you wouldn't want them on there having not practiced. No, So I don't understand why there's this... I think it's... Because it, they feel that it affects well, the... Well, it, it, also, muddied, it muddied the story, I think, I didn't think it, of being an amateur from Carphone Warehouse suddenly being brilliant. But I also think I think a lot of people just don't really understand opera. Oh, I think it's quite an alien art form for quite a lot of people. Mm. I mean, how much formal training do you have? I had lessons when I was in Italy for, mm. uh, for over two years. I spent... Mm. Um, Three and a half months in Brimini, one year in 2000, and another mm. six weeks there in 2001. And and I got to just below university standard because it basically it was mm. five mornings a week learning Italian. And it, mm. when you get when you get to certain levels of grammar, it just gets really really hard mm-hmm. because of course there's five different past tenses. Mm. So you only you really use one or two, but mm. when you get it's nice to have when the you're extra ones. Opera, you're doing, <laughs> well, yeah, just to confuse people, just in case, you know. <laughs> yeah. Paul, your life story was made into the film with James Corden and all of that Italian section is actually rather beautiful to watch. I mean, what was it like actually watching yourself being portrayed by somebody else? Did you feel that he did you justice or did you think, mm, I could have, well, maybe uh, that could have been changed a bit? Also, were you cross you weren't played by Brad Pitt? <laughs> <laughs> I think my wife was... Cross, she didn't play herself, and he and, and I was played by Brad Pitt. Yeah, but um, I loved the story as it was told. I mean, mm. I didn't want it to be something that took itself too seriously. Mm. When I wrote my own memoir, that did take itself more seriously and, mm. and was far truer to the to the story than a film can ever be, really, because they have to try and fit everything into mm-hmm. what hundred minutes, and it gets complicated to try and get everything in. Absolutely. And when you're playing your full-length operas, what's your favourite? I mean, opera singers tend to sort of have a role that they particularly like to inhabit. Who are you? Well, I've done, I've done, I've done a few, but I haven't done Rodolfo yet, and I'd mm. love to do Rodolfo. Um, yeah. And it's a real working working man's opera is is um, Bohem, and and of course Puccini was 
I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't describe him as Lloyd Webber of his day, but he was because <laughs> he, he was probably sorry sorry Andrew, um, but but um, he, he was populist in a way that a lot was, of critics yeah. didn't like, and yeah. the critics were looking for somebody to replace Verdi. And of course, you can't replace somebody no. like Verdi. I mean, some of the early operas. I'm a bit of a Puccini freak, mm. and the early operas that Puccini composed and that on the aria that there is an aria from Puccini's first opera on on musica non proibita oh, yes. beautiful and the doubled violins are just pure Puccini but his second opera Edgar was really very Verdian and yeah. lots of chorus stuff but it flopped badly and his, uh. his first real success was Manon Lescaux and, and I, yeah. I played the role of Chevalier de, de Gru in a production in North London back mm. in 2003, complete with massive scar across my, my body <laughs> from a major operation. Um, what was the major <laughs> operation? Well, I had I had a very large, it was benign, thankfully. I had a large adrenal tumour. And, oh. and I'd done Radames before they'd taken it out. And what can really freak you out is when the surgeon tells you, you know, like it's nothing that... Oh, by the way, um, we're going to have to stop your breathing, put you on the ventilator. We have to thread something through your vocal cords. And it <gasps> oh, can God. affect your singing afterwards. God. And, and I spoke to the MD for the opera company. He said, oh, yeah, my wife had that. She couldn't sing for seven years afterwards. I'm what? Thinking, no, no, no. They used the mask in the end instead mm. of fully intubating me. That sounds but, um, awful, it, Paul. It can really freak you out when you're mm. there. Well, by the way, we're going to stop you breathing because mm. we don't want to cut through some blood vessels that are supplying your diaphragm. So so I was in the hospital for two weeks and two days after I'd been discharged, I was on stage rehearsing Chevalier de Groove from Manuel de School. And, two weeks? And I, had a, I was in the hospital for two weeks. So I was I was on stage two days after oh being gosh. discharged. Rehearsing, doing full that stage That wasn't all rehearsals. down to Manuka, honey. That you no, must have no. Done no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I, so so the open wounds started bleeding on stage oh, during one no, scene and everybody no. was freaking out <laughs> i've got no issue with blood at all no, I, i'm clearly. so i've been so clumsy in my life i you know hospital with my early life was like second thing mm. um so you should have been doing parsifal instead yeah gosh <laughs> but you're but, all right um, now paul are you you're fine now yeah yeah, Good. overweight, but I'm but I'm fine. And, and darling, we're all overweight. Don't our worry club. about it. Yes. Join our club. <laughs> yes, it's fine. So, so who did you record this album with? Did you have a full fabulous orchestra with you? No, it was a bit simpler than that. I licensed some orchestral tracks from a company called Cantal Opera. A lot of them are tracks that I used to use a long, long, long time ago. Mm. I used to just sing to them in my bed in in the bedroom or down my local church and record with a with a simple dynamic microphone into a, a Sony music system. Okay. So I was familiar with quite a lot of them and and a lot of these tracks I did actually use during lockdown. And oh, okay. you know, they're fantastic tracks and I mean, of course you're limited and you've got to stay within the bar lines because mm. you're not mm. using the live orchestra. But it makes it an awful lot cheaper, obviously. But, yeah. There's a lot more flexibility because you, I mean you can you can do some stuff in studio to change timings in places, but there's lots of great music that can be done that way. And so I was able to get 41 tracks done without it yeah. costing two million pounds. Yeah, <laughs> are, you, are you planning? Are you planning a live tour of the album? Is that something you do? Um, well, I'm doing I'm doing a UK tour in February and March. Mm. Um, oh. Ten eleven dates. There's talk of an extra date being added. It hasn't been confirmed yet. Mm. But um, Starting off in in Malvern, Great Malvern, the Malvern Halls, right? Um, it's a lovely little venue. 
and it's just me and the pianist, so it's going to be done quite simply and quite stripped so back. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's I mean, it gives you the ability to do lots of different things in different ways. Mm. Um, so there'll be some stuff that that, that Mario Lanza did, some fantastic music that he did, also some stuff from the aria from the album, mm-hmm. but also. Some modern stuff as well, because I did, and and also some ballads, some you know the old style ballads from the nineteenth and early twentieth century. Mm-hmm. There's some beautiful music from that era, such as and go on, give um, us a... the, the music like Makusha, which is I forget the person who wrote it. But it's an Irish song. But it's really really beautiful, mm-hmm. um, and of course Danny Boy's from that era as well. And the, oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. the lyrics were written by Frederick Weatherly, who was from Portishead, not so very far from where he came right, from. Right. Yes. And Great album, Portishead. Was it banned? <laughs> no, it was an album, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. It was an album, uh, Massive Attack. Was but it they Massive didn't Attack? Have a ma- yeah. They, they didn't have a Massive Attack. Um, <laughs> that was Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's some, so much beautiful music from that yeah. era. And, and also because I did, I did Mass Singer in Germany. I played a koala, which is... One of the most Hilarious. fun. Of, one of the Why did you pair koala? Did you get to choose? Is a koala of an no, animal that no, you feel was... is that your spirit animal? <laughs> um, no, that's what they that's what they told me I had to be. Um, what is your spirit animal? Good question. <laughs> what is your spirit animal? I haven't animal? got a clue. No. Anything that's clumsy, really. Oh. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, but it was it koala was appropriate because I couldn't see, and they were wanting me to cycle in on a on a trike. And, right, because um, koalas famously I, cycle a lot, <laughs> but they're famously blind, and, and yes, I couldn't see. And I could, I could, I could see myself coming off the stage yes. and like, going sideways and just laughing my head off. Did um, you win Mask Singer in uh, Germany? No, I didn't. No. I didn't. The, the, the trouble was was that one of the judges was Irish, lives and works in Germany. Mm. And he kept guessing me every week. Oh shit! So that's annoying. So you know, they guessed me from the start, even though right. I was doing, doing music that was completely out of my comfort zone. But some mm. of it, I mean, I did do a lot of preparation for it, and yeah, I'm, I, I think I recorded some like thirty demos for it. Gosh, um, to give to give a lot of choice. But the trouble is that TV tends to be a little bit. I'm not sure that lazy is the word. They, they tend to take the easy option. That mm. every, They tend to pick things that people know really well rather mm. than trying their luck with something that people don't know. And, mm. But I, I did some great pieces of music. Some of them suited me better than others. I mean, what I sort did of tracks Ahas, did you sing? I did Aha's Take On Me. Oh, yeah. And the stripped oh, yes. back version, like like Aha did in their... Um, they did a show in Olsen in Norway, in the venue mm-hmm. that I played myself. And you know an MTV unplugged version, and it was and it's beautiful and mm. actually closer to the feel of the lyrics than mm. the original because mm. the lyrics are actually quite melancholy. So mm. the stripped back version, and I've done it on tour since, and there's a very good chance. In fact, I'm fairly certain that I'll be doing it on the UK tour as well. Right. Yeah. And I'm somebody that I believe that music is music. I'm not too fussy about genre and having to stay within certain things. No. It's, you know, but obviously, you're, quite, obviously you're all about music. the music, aren't you, Paul? Because I think the idea that the Masked Singers is a television programme, they don't really care about yeah. the music. Mm. But you're clearly very much all about the music. I'm getting that from you. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and there's a view that, you know, that certain kinds of singing aren't operatic, but singing mm. on the breath and, you know, not falsetto, but lots of head voice. And mm. I mean, I'm going to be doing... I'm, I'm, off, to, I'm off to Denmark and I'm going to be doing... Um, the, the joke and the queen as a duet and I'll be doing that as a as a solo across mm. across the UK and you know, it's a beautiful song it is a beautiful song difficult. yeah 
Mm. It's far more difficult to sing than anything operatic because mm. it has to be done softly, and it's mm. you know it's really really difficult to sing. Yeah, in the I head, mean you're talking to someone who you're talking to someone who unfortunately I can't sing at all, and if I do <laughs> sing, people actually ask me to stop. It's such a terrible <laughs> caterwauling noise, and all my children are the same. Oh, it's very sad. It's just awful. <laughs> yes. We're completely tone deaf. So I think it's a real gift being able to sing, because I think well, my I, mum was tone deaf. Was she? she? She was from the valleys, but she was tone deaf. She she yeah. she'd sing in a major and minor third, but it was never deliberate. Um, <laughs> and she was in the Salvation Army, and she, she'd always scowl at us if we called it the Sally Army. But and she was in the Sanctuaries, but they took anyone. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Sarah, you might even get into I that. I might even get it. I am really a terrible singer, yes. terrible, dreadful. And I, the awful thing is, I love it. Yes, it gives me great joy mm. because it's such a lovely thing to be able to do. Mm. Um, I have been asked to leave a church before. Yes, singing. <laughs> a whole row turned around, and they went, "Would you mind? It's a carol Could concert." You please leave. But there you, is a you, you turned that... up in midnight mass, and they thought you'd come out of the pub. That, well, I, I probably had actually, Paul. But uh, yes, I was asked to leave. Yeah. A church, which I think is a little rude. Um, it's very rude. Yes. I, sing oh, I, do, I do a lot of singing. I sing a lot on, on my own in the car. That's mm. the only safe space yes. within which. I, but there are people who say you can teach anyone to sing. I mm. don't think that's true. I don't think anyone can maybe, teach me to sing. Maybe that should be a challenge, Sarah. Challenge, Sarah. Teach me to sing. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> Impossible. Well, Paul, thank you very thank much. You, it's been lovely Paul. talking to you, and, and wish you. you all the best with mm. the album. And yeah, on the tour, maybe we'll come and see yes, you. Yes, great idea. Great series. Brilliant. But don't sing. No, no, I won't. You won't have us that's as the thing, but that's rather the thing. cheap middle-aged backing singers. <laughs> but that's what, I, that's, that's what I love about going to the opera in Italy, which is that they sing along. They don't. No, they do. Do they? Isn't this right, well, Paul? You go to an opera in Italy and you will quite, you're very likely to be sitting next to somebody. Why aren't they asked to leave? The, well, no, because it's not like that in Italy. Opera in Italy is not some sort of, you know, fancy schmancy mm. thing where you have to wear a, a bow tie and sit very rigid. Mm. It's a sort of, it's a thing. Everyone does it. They all sing along. Oh. Am so I right, like, Paul? Like karaoke uh, then? No. <laughs> well, I, I did um, Crouch Fest. I performed at Crouch Fest for, for Peter Crouch, and he asked yeah. me to sing this in Dorma. And the whole 12,000 audience was singing along with me. They so, all tried yes. to do the Vincerose too early, mind, but. but um, Everyone but, always I mean, does the Vincerose too early. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, thing, the thing about opera, people think it's for people in suits and I, I i watched i watched bohem at the royal opera house and 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 i was sat in a box because that was the only that was the only because i went into the lottery and if you you had to get the good seats you have to go into the lottery and yeah hope and you have to tick all the boxes if you want the chance so i ended up having to pay for a full box mm. and i was sat there in jeans and a shirt and i didn't feel uncomfortable at all no. you know it's this old fashion rule that you know you should turn up dressed like mm. you're a waiter. But no, 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 you go you, you go and be comfortable, enjoy the music. And then, when you get to that stage in La Boheme, where Mimi says, Piangi, mm. cry, stop coughing, stop <laughs> pretending you're, you're not crying, cry, let it out. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely right. <laughs> I always cry yeah. there. Yes, and on that note, Great. did you see what I did there? Yes, I did. It was a note. It was a note. That was very good. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank so nice you. to talk to you. Good luck with the Welsh rain. <clears throat> You'll need it. <laughs> and uh, yes, all the best. I'm now saying happy Christmas to all the guests. No, you can't say happy yes, Christmas. Happy it's not Christmas, even Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. No. Happy Christmas. She's so when annoying. Is it, it dep- when is it Christmas? Well, you know, 25th of December. There's, there's, mm. 
Well, there's a meme that goes around Facebook that, that says for every for every Christmas tree decorated before December the 1st, Father Christmas shoots an elf. <laughs> yeah, well, there are too many elves. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> it's bad for your elf. So, oh, no, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no comedy. Remember what your, remember what your wife said? Mm. No jokes. <laughs> You're listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. You can visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag, or Imogen at Imogen EJ. Black Friday is mm. almost upon us, and retailers are promoting what seems like unmissable deals. Actually, they're all rubbish. <laughs> Anyway, new research by Capital One says that many of us end up regressing a purchase in the run-up to Christmas. Here to tell us more is consumer affairs champion Alice Beer. Alice, I have to say... They're all rubbish. You they're all rubbish. I say more. Are they all rubbish? I mean, I've been looking on Amazons mm. and there's literally nothing I want. Oh, really? It's all televisions that were in date about five years ago. Is that true? It's nothing nice. It's an air fryer. If there's someone in the world who doesn't want an air fryer... <laughs> I've got... Two, actually, yes, Alice. Yes. So it's all my fault, of the air fryer thing have. as well, because I keep writing of articles about you. how brilliant they are. But what do you think? Am I, I, am I being harsh? And then, all, and then what well, happens look. also is you get all those fantastic videos on the internet of people hitting each other over the head with televisions, <laughs> <laughs> which I always quite like. Sorry, Alice, please do go. It's alone. It is worth it for that alone. Yes. No, I think this year, this is the perfect excuse where it grinds to a halt. Surely, no. surely, this is the year that we say, do you know what? Not only do Black Friday deals have a big question mark over them as to whether they really are a deal at that time of the year or at any other time of the year, yeah. but also, is it something that we really need to buy on Black Friday or Cyber Monday or in the weeks leading up to Christmas, indeed? Mm. Because this research from Capital One, as you said, found that over a third of Brits made purchases last Christmas, they later regret it. Yeah. And you know what really worries me is that we might be in the age bracket that we're a little more sage and savvy, but the age bracket really suffered. 50% of people in 25 to 35 found that social media platforms encouraged them to buy stuff they never actually needed. Mm. These people are really vulnerable and they don't have enough of the wage or no. enough of the sort of established security no. to be able to waste money. It's, I think it's quite mm. sad. I completely agree. Also, there's this thing called Klarna now, which allows you to pay oh, it in instalments. Yes, so you yes. just think, oh, it's on the never-never. Yes. But I do think it's an American tradition, isn't it, Black Friday? It's the last payday before Christmas, and it's sort of coincides with mm. Thanksgiving. But you see, I quite what I quite like about Christmas, I think Black Friday and Cyber Monday and, you know, Tech Tuesday. Mm. They take all the sort of romance out of Christmas because the whole point about Christmas is you buy one lovely, amazing object that you mm. wouldn't normally buy somebody. Right. I just mm. think the idea that you're sort of, it just makes you buy more stuff, doesn't it? But if you're after, well, say, a pair of trainers or something uh, that are dramatically reduced by you but know, 30%. Never are. They're never the ones you want. Uh, they're never the I think fours. That this isn't for that specific purchase. The biggest regrets were in the fashion segment right. clothing mm. was the biggest sector of regret oh, really? i think the biggest thing that people genuinely are waiting to buy their telly or their sofa and that's the big thing or some white goods perhaps or hoping that a vacuum cleaner will be a cordless vacuum will be reduced mm. they are looking for practical goods and there don't seem to be that many regrets from then and i think that if people are genuinely waiting to buy something genuinely budgeting for it 
and they use credit where they can control it, mm. get their protection. That's Section 75 I'm always harping on about that a mm. credit card will give you if it's over 100 quid. Then it's not a bad deal if it's the right thing for mm. you and you budgeted for it. Mm. But if mm. it's on a whim or on pressure from social media mm. or you're buying it because it looks like a fantastic bargain and it's wrong, 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 especially now, now of all times. Yeah, mm. I know. And also, I think it takes the fun out of the January sales. Well, that's what I was thinking. Because I, mean, I used to love that thing January, of having to actually yes. wait for actual January. Yes. Now the January sales pretty much start on the 24th. Yes. When this whole you see, I've always found January sales quite depressing because you then... All those exciting clothes and things that you thought, well, hey, it's party season. (laughs) And suddenly there they are on the rails looking rather drab and forlorn and and they're sort of a third of the price. And you think, oh... Oh, yes, yes that lovely jacket so, that you spent a huge amount of money on is there in the crumpled yeah. heap in the corner. And you think, ooh, I'm yeah. the idiot that spent that amount of money on that. Yeah, I agree with you. Exactly. But is it a lifesaver for retail, this sort of Black Friday frenzy yes, that we work Are they now on? addicted to it? Yes. I mean, can they now live without it? Well, it used to be that there, there's this, I think it's an urban myth that Black Friday is so called because it's the day that the shops go from being in the red to in the black. So they mm, make a oh. profit as from then so on thanksgiving bit like taxpayers now Mm. bit like taxpayers (laughs) (laughs) exactly i'm waiting for that day is that return day here i think that really yes we are in the habit of it but i think we're a lot more cynical and that's Mm. a good thing but what we hadn't reckoned on was this pressure from social media the pressure from the algorithms that pop up in yes Every single paper. Can I tell you what happened you to me things. this week? I mm. bought, because of pressure what? from social media, mm. I bought mm. a giant leaf-shaped blanket. What? For my oh. daughter. Are you insane? Why, why, well, did you, was, why was that a nice idea? idea. It, it was quite fun. It was. It's a blanket that's shaped like a leaf. Uh, no? Yeah. So, no, it sounds gross. Oh. Okay, mm. that's that absolutely hideous. gross. Yeah. Where's... No naked flames <laughs> anywhere near that daughter. No naked flames. That would be bad. It was bad, on bad, the bad. internet. I don't know why I bought it. It oh, looked fun. Sarah, no, you see, this is what because happens. Because the algorithm got you between the <laughs> yes, eyes and you're taking it, yes, it over. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you seen that thing? The dress that will change your life. No. Have you seen that one? No, I it's really like need a... it. <laughs> you're not buying it as long as a leaf dress. Um, it's a dress that every time you go out for lunch or go out in the evening you will reach for because it's going to change your life and it's this ordinary man-made fabric fast fashion hideous thing but it just is billed at the dress as the dress that will change your life Mm. and and suckers like you are going to go for it yes Yes. do you think sorry no 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 I agree with you I sadly I keep getting anti-bloat pills on my (laughs) Instagram no I get that's all I get gross flatulence my Instagram is full of (laughs) jewellery for some reason jewellery okay makeup And blankets made out of leaves. leaves. Okay, mine is literally. <laughs> so your teenage daughter pills. is using your login. Yeah. Oh. Do you think that in the future they'll do the research and they'll discover that when you scroll through your phone, part of your brain actually switches off? Oh, probably the clever part. Oh, I think they've done that already, which is precisely why they do it. Mm. Right. I think honestly, don't you think they're taking advantage of us? I, mm. I don't mean yeah. them as in the people yeah. in the sky. 
I mean, the, the marketing, the retailer. <laughs> yes. Would know, no, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I completely agree. Uh, yeah. No, my friend of mine bought one of those stomach flattening things oh, off, the, off the TikTok. Slender tone. And she came one. in. No, no, no. It's oh. a top that, you know, she looked at TikTok and there'd been all these TikToks of people's stomachs disappearing. Okay. So she bought one. Oh. <laughs> she said, it's just like a normal vest. especially <laughs> just a vest. <laughs> oh, I know the top you mean. They all pull it on over there like and go off to weddings and things. Yeah, I've seen that advert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Alice, Alice, have you got your eye on nothing then? You've got your eye on nothing for Black Friday. Yes, Alice, is there a deal that we can actually get? Is there a good one? Come on. Is there one? Well, look, I'm not... Look, the, the thing is that what might be a good deal for me, I mean, we're sort of a, a similar demographic with probably yes. similar age children, so our bargains might coincide. Yeah. But I would say that what is a good deal for me is not a good deal for the next person. Mm. I've got no kids at home, not really batch cooking and stuff. I mm. would only want an air fryer or a slow cooker that's 2.5 litre. You might want something that's a six or seven litre one. Mm. Do you know what I mean? We're not looking for the same thing. So the same bargain is not for me. So I'm not going to guide anyone to anything in particular. I think that really it's mindful shopping and that's it. And if you can take a break from social media mm. over the next week and mm. just calmly make your own Christmas, mm, concentrate yes. on presents of relatives rather well, than presents yeah, for relatives, yeah. that's what it's about. I think this is sort of also to do with internet shopping. I mean, I think people, you know, it used to be nice to go to a shop and buy things because mm. yeah. you do think about things a bit more and you touch them you and do, lift yes. them up, pick them yeah, and look at them yeah. and stuff. Whereas on the internet, you yeah. just click and buy and it's, yeah. it does or, tend to sort of... Or, or, or click and hick, or hick and click, which is my favourite <laughs> thing of doing, which is drunk buying, which is a terrible, yes. terrible thing to do. We've Dear all listener. been there. <laughs> yes. But can I tell you, my favourite ever advice that I give to people about baskets and buying online. So if you imagine that your virtual basket is a physical one, it's metal and it's digging into your hip, you're not getting the one on wheels. You've yeah. got the physical one you've got to carry, which I don't know who designed them. Probably wasn't a woman. No. You're carrying it. Look at all the things that you've put in it. It's heavy. If you were in a shop, you would be saying, oh, actually, oh, line, mm. I better make it to the till now. Yeah. You'd get to the till and you'd say, oh, actually, I'm not going to take that one. I'm not going to take that one. And you'd have a little rethink at the till with this yeah. whole basket. What I'm saying is park the basket, leave it. Go away, because two things will happen. One is you will probably have had the adrenaline shot that is the shop online. Mm. You put the frocks in the basket, and that might be all you needed. Mm. You don't actually need to go and purchase them. And the second thing that will happen is you'll get emails from that company saying, hey, Alice, our best friend, Alice, you <laughs> left things in your basket. Come on back, 5% discount. Yes. Here's a little code. Oh, Here's a little shush. Code. I do that on purpose. I did not see no, no, that. I, no, Alice, I know about this trick. Oh. They will often send you a 15% discount code no. if you just leave yes, stuff in your they basket. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they yep. will. Oh. Yeah, desperate for you oh, to that, buy that their is the top, <laughs> oh. That is the toppest of top yeah. tips. That was Consumer Affairs champion. 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 Alice Beer. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You have been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you for listening. 